Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Try to get a pharmacy next door, mom and pop pharmacy, where they can call prescriptions in right next door. makes it so convenient for the patients. So again, keep your eyes open for medical practices. They trade at such low cap rates and there's a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money there. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and this is an episode of Beyond Multifamily, where we dive into topics other than multifamily investing. Today, we're going to dive into some of the benefits of investing in medical buildings. These are often overlooked assets by a lot of investors. And what prompted this talk was I just sold a medical building that I've held for a number of years for a 6.2 cap rate. And this is in mid-September of 2022. Interest rates are rising. Cap rates are rising on commercial buildings. But there's a subset of people that really want medical buildings in their portfolio. Why do medical buildings trade at such low cap rates? Let's explore some of the benefits of buying medical buildings. One is they're extremely stable. When's the last time you saw a medical practice, a physician's office go out of business? It just doesn't happen. 
you don't have to monitor the physician's or medical building's revenue like you would a retailer or a restaurant. After the Affordable Care Act, we now have the highest number of insured Americans ever. We also have an aging population further securing the growth of medical practitioners. As you look at the diversity of your portfolio, you now have to take into account things like essential services. I've got a number of bars, restaurants, and salons that are tenants of mine. And during the COVID lockdown, a lot of them were shut down for business. They're non-essential and often it's detrimental to their long-term business. Having a retailer that will have to lay off staff or a restaurant that has to lay off bartenders, all of a sudden when they reopen, they may have to rehire additional personnel. With medical practitioners, they're typically essential services so they don't suffer the same in lockdown scenarios. Medical practitioners also typically have a succession plan. So when a doctor retires, they don't just say, out of business, thank you, buildings for sale. What typically happens is the doctor trains their replacement and the replacement will end up buying into the practice. So all of the patients, all of the goodwill, the reputation that this doctor has established for many years now gets sold to the next generation of practitioners. And often as the building owner, that lease is still upheld and often you can sign a new lease with a new practitioner. If you think back, how many times have you had a dentist or your primary care physician that's retiring and there's somebody waiting to take over that practice right away and you as a patient just continue going to that same practice? When a bar or restaurant sells to a new owner, you don't know how that new owner is going to change things. They might disrupt the business. Customers may get alienated. Business goes down and that tenant has the potential of failing with doctors and medical practitioners. It's often not the case in the rare scenario that a doctor just leaves or vacates their building or moves or doesn't renew their lease. You can often fill that space very easily with someone in the same practice area. For example, if you have an orthopedic group in a building and they decide to leave every other orthopedic practice in town is going to want that space for the residual patients. Dentists, same thing. Other practitioners, same thing. If you go to the dentist once every six months and you're just used to going to that one location, you're going to go back to that same location, maybe because it's convenient to your house, maybe because it's been a habit for so many years just to go there. And you'll absorb the fact that there's a new doctor, dentist, whatever that's there taking care of you. Back to the example of restaurants. If you have one restaurant that chose not to renew their lease and they vacated the building, you can have another restaurateur come in, but they may want a completely new build out. They're going to want a different look and feel to the interior. And you've got to accommodate that often with medical practices, but they don't require a lot. They require a hand washing sink in each exam room. They require a large reception area. Often, if they do x-rays inside, you have a lead-lined x-ray room. The buildings are typically ADA compliant. For dentists, there's plumbing run underneath the concrete floors or to the floor below for all of their water supply drainage lines. Any medical practitioner that requires chairs with lighting, there's going to be power in the floors. Each room typically has adequate power 
for all of the tools that they may use, you'll often find a nice break room area as well. Because of these commonalities, it's easy to transition from one practitioner to another or to go from, let's say, a podiatrist's office to a veterinarian. Medical office space also commands a higher rent per square foot, which means more revenue. It means the value of your building is higher than the relative office or retail space around you. Another benefit is that the leases are often personally guaranteed by a doctor or they're corporate guaranteed by a group. So in a typical scenario where you lease out a restaurant, an office space or a retail space, if it is a national tenant, that's great. They'll sign a corporate-backed lease, and it's a very stable, secure lease. If it's a mom-and-pop tenant, let's say a hair salon, for example, they're going to sign a personal guarantee. You now have to do some digging and make sure that this individual that signs the lease and the personal guarantee has adequate financials so that if something happens to their business, they can continue to pay their rent until, let's say, you find another tenant. With most doctors, you often don't have to do a lot of digging. You know that they're a doctor. You can look at what assets they have, where they live, the car they drive. And typically, a doctor is not going to go out of business again. But if they decide to break their lease, that personal guarantee is enforceable. And you know that they have the assets to back it. Now, best of our listeners, one of the gold standards in retail leasing is a Starbucks. If a Starbucks signs a fresh 10-year lease, those can trade at a four cap, four and a half cap. When a physician group signs a lease, now let's say this is a regional physician group that maybe has 10 practices. They're not nationally known. They're not known by out-of-state investors. But if you have some local knowledge, you know that this is a regional optometrist group, let's say, that has 10 locations. They're expanding rapidly and they sign a corporate guaranteed lease, it is very secure. The only way they're getting out of that lease, other than carve-outs in the lease, is if they declare bankruptcy at the parent corporation level. And again, medical practitioners, medical groups, they just don't declare bankruptcy very often. What do you look for when you're looking to buy a medical practice? I'll give you a quick story. I was recently approached by a medical broker. Matter of fact, the same broker that sold my building at a 6.2 cap, he put me on his list and he sent me a listing that's very close to my house and he wanted $3.5 million for it and it was an 8.5 cap. The problem was the location isn't great and there's only three years left on this lease. So when you couple the two things together, I've got to think in the back of my mind that if this physician group ends up leaving, because the location is so bad, it might be very difficult getting a tenant into that building. If you have to repurpose that into just regular office space or co-working space, that building's not going to be worth $3.5 million. You're going to be really upside down. This was a missed opportunity. I initially dismissed it because of the location, because of the cap rate, and because of the three years remaining on the lease, I got another call from that same broker a few weeks later saying, hey, if you're still interested, we signed a 10-year lease with this group and we're now asking a seven cap. So where did I go wrong? What I should have done is gotten the property under contract. In due diligence, I could have negotiated 
and renewed that lease the same way that this broker did. If I had signed that 10 year lease, I would have made a one and a half point spread on that deal. What does that mean in numbers? It means I could have made over $700,000 within 30 days of due diligence. So definitely a missed opportunity. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's three-hour Raise Capital Masterclass live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $2 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars twice in the last 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and real estate investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever and enroll today. And right now, best ever listeners, you can enroll for over $500 off. Go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Best ever listeners, I want to dive into that example because I want to make sure you all understand what happened here. So the risk of this physician group not renewing caused that cap rate to be at eight and a half percent. Now, when you sign a fresh year lease, you're good for 10 years, so you can command a much lower cap rate. A lot of people are good with just parking money into that deal. A lot of 1031 buyers that want something very safe and stable know for the next 10 years, this property is going to pay them rent, and they can sell in year five. They're going to sell at a lower price. Why is that? The highest value of a typical property, whether it's retail, office, standalone, medical practice, is when a fresh lease is signed. As the years go by, the risk of that tenant not renewing becomes more apparent. And you've got to weigh that into your underwriting. You got to start playing with the numbers and the what if scenarios. Just like I thought about what if this tenant doesn't renew, I own some very expensive dirt in a building that I'll likely have to repurpose, not worth the risk. With a 10-year fresh lease, there's not much risk that you're going to incur. And if you sell in year five or six, you milk the profits for four or five years, and you can still sell at a decent amount of value. How do you find these deals, and what do you look for? There's brokers that specialize only in medical space, so you can get on their lists, talk to them, have conversations with them, and see if you can add value to them as well. 
let them know exactly what it is that you're looking for. You can look for physicians that are selling their practices or physicians that are getting ready to retire. What happens is a lot of times physicians or medical groups, they'll own their practice. They'll own the building as well. And when it comes time to retire, they're more concerned with the value that they're going to get for their practice and the real estate they often don't know what to do with. The person buying the practice may not have the deep pockets to finance both the cost of buying the business as well as the cost of buying the real estate. Often these are young people that are coming out of medical school with six figures in debt from schooling and maybe they just bought a house, a car. They're probably not the ideal candidates to take on a multi-million dollar real estate loan. And for that reason, you can interject and talk to the physician and say, look, I'm happy to buy the building so you're not risking all of your eggs in one basket. Let's say you sell your practice to a new chiropractor right out of school. If they run the practice into the ground and you're holding the note on the practice as well as holding the note on real estate or maybe they're paying a lease to you or you seller finance some of it, you want to diversify some of that risk. So why don't I buy the building from you? You will continue with the same lease that you have or this new physician can sign a lease with me and they make lease payments to me. They make business acquisition payments to you. And that's often a win-win scenario. Don't be afraid to look for medical buildings in rural areas. Often doctors in rural areas have higher reimbursement rates because of some government programs where they encourage doctors to set up shop in those underserved areas. The overhead for rural physicians is often much lower than urban locations. The competition is also much less than in other locations. All of these factors contribute to the long-term success of those medical practitioners. If you are near a hospital or medical center or just a large medical campus, buy whatever you can. I turned down a building a long time ago that was 1,200 square feet, and I thought, oh my God, what practitioner could possibly go in there? And when I walked away from that deal, it sold for a much higher price than what I would have offered. And I don't remember what practice went in there, but it's always been tenanted. And I've learned if you are within the proximity of any medical campus, large hospital system, or a standalone hospital, buy whatever you can. For independent physicians that are renting space inside the hospital, they're paying through the roof just to be in the hospital. Imagine how many chiropractors, dentists, other practitioners would want to set up shop right outside of the hospital for a much lower lease rate. People don't have to park their cars, walk across the parking lot, take an elevator, and try to find where your office is amongst the sea of other offices. They can park right in front of your building, go right in, and be waited on. When it comes time to selling a medical building, we talked about this earlier, best ever listeners, they trade at much lower cap rates. The fresher the lease, the more stable the tenant, the lower the cap rate. However, even if it's a standalone physician, the highest and best purchaser is going to be that tenant. This is very similar to a scenario where years ago, I sold a mixed-use building. It had a grocery store on the first floor and four college apartments above it. The market price for that property may have been around $360,000, 
but I was able to sell it to the store owner for about $450,000. Why is that? The reason is that store owner was paying about $2,500 a month in rent. And by them purchasing this building at a higher than market rate, they were able to essentially have their store rent free. So they saved $2,500 a month and they're paying down the mortgage of this building. Same thing with physician offices. If you sell the building to the doctor, it's worth more to them than it is anybody else because now they no longer have to pay you rent. They can start depreciating the building. They can start paying down the mortgage on the building and they benefit from all of those. Best ever listeners, there's also a lot of merger and acquisition activity in the medical space. Large hospital systems, large physician groups are always trading. They're always either acquiring or being acquired by other systems. And because of that, you'll end up with a lot of tenants that consolidate. And what that means is your tenants, if there's three physician offices within a close proximity and one hospital group ends up buying all of them, they're going to consolidate their offices. And what that means is your tenant is now going to vacate and you now have an empty building that you need to release, but they are going to continue paying the lease until the end of their lease term is over. How do you deal with that? So ideally, the person that signed the lease or the group that acquired that physician practice is going to want to present a buyout of that lease. They're going to want to say, look, I know we've got five years left and it's at $10,000 a month. If my quick math is right, that is 60 months times $10,000. So it's a $600,000 lease value. They're going to say, hey, why don't we just give you $500,000 up front, call it a day, and we're out of the lease. That number you can negotiate or you can just sit there with the empty building. They have to continue to maintain it. If it's a triple net lease, they pay the taxes, they make sure the temperature is at an adequate level, whatever is specified in the lease, and you just sit on a building. But if you can take that buyout, it's a huge win. Take the buyout and release that to another practice. And that's a wrap. Best ever listeners, I hope I was able to add some value to you. I hope you will start looking at medical buildings as investments. Start underwriting them. Talk to some brokers that are in the medical space and run some numbers. Just see what you can find. And you know me, I always do value add. So I'm not encouraging you to buy a medical building that has a fresh lease. You're going to pay top dollar. If you just want to park money, get some depreciation, have at it. But if you want to grow your wealth, you're going to want to buy value add medical buildings, maybe something that has vacancy in it, a physician practice that no longer needs the entire building. And you could bring in an accompanying specialty. For example, if there's an orthopedic group or a podiatrist and they don't need their entire building, a perfect companion to that practice would be a physical therapy location. So put the two together. They complement each other. If it is a standalone primary care physician's office, try to get a pharmacy next door, a mom and pop pharmacy where they can call prescriptions in right next door. It makes it so convenient for the patients. So again, keep your eyes open for medical practices. They trade at such low cap rates and there's a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money there. 
Best ever listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with anyone you think can benefit from it. Also, if there's a topic that you want me to cover on Beyond Multifamily, please email me. Find me on LinkedIn. Get me on Facebook. Get me on Bigger Pockets. I'm pretty accessible. And let me know what it is that you want to hear. But thank you. Follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.